Welcome to Paradox Walk Podcast, specializing in paranormal activity, UFOs, cryptids, anything completely out of the ordinary. Today's episode will be about a couple different things, fairies, some stories of like strange stories about shadows and reflections, and another story is an exclusive UFO story from an actual uh, cop that I've talked to. So the idea of fairies in um, Europe and Ireland and um, other countries is before Disney came around was vastly different from the ideas of cute little happy Tinkerbell fairies that fly around and bless you with their magic wand or whatever. The original fairy stories sound, sound like they are more like abduction stories, almost like demonic looking things. Without further ado, let's get on with the first story here. So I got this off of... I followed this one link, Architects Might Steal Your Soul. So this is, uh, I'm just going to read this, this is from Cracked.com. In a building, the cornerstone might be a different material from the rest of the walls, might have a year of construction embossed on it, which means like kind of like written across it. It's the part of the building with great symbolic significance. Symbols require sacrifice. That's a key statement right there. I'll just leave that one alone, but... In ancient times, lasting right up until the 19th century in Greece, it was custom to kill an animal to lend its essence to the building. People would kill a ram or a rooster and pour its blood over the cornerstone and then bury the animal in the building's foundations. They also sometimes add human essence to the building. This would take a little more finesse, however, than simply butchering a human victim. What they do is take someone's shadow and bury it under the cornerstone. You might realize that sha- that shadows, unless you're in Peter Pan, can't easily detach from a person, but they accomplished the same thing by measuring a man's shadow and then burying the measurements while constructing the building. The problem with this, said the superstition, was that your shadow captured this w- with your shadow captured this way, you yourself would soon die. The shadow takers were therefore murderers. Beware lest they take thy shadow, people said at building sites, just in case the shadow takers still lingered, looking to measure your shadow. Bearing these measurements was the equivalent of immersement, walling away a living person. Lose your shadow this way, and you would have just 40 days to live. It's a step up from earlier legendary tradition of actually immuring victims, like the human pillars buried in Japanese castles, or the women drowned in rivers where they built bridges. But it still resulted, people believed, in tying your ghost to the building, which supposedly was good for the building, because enlisting an innocent ghost was a great way of guarding against all the evil ghosts that might otherwise haunt the place. So why do I get the feeling that they're just doing this at rich people's houses and castles and important government structures and things like that? I mean, except the bridges, right? But I don't I don't get the feeling from, like, reading these things that they're doing this at, like, the average poor person's house that they just happen to, like, construct as, like, a mud hut or something like that. I just have a feeling that these are just huge, mo- like, monolithic structures or something that they're... Or like I said before, like maybe the banker's building or a castle, but I don't I don't have a feeling like my great 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 grandpa living in Europe like had human sacrifices or ram's blood on the cornerstone of his house. I don't know. Just just a feeling I get from reading this. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but anyway. So just getting back on this fairy thing real quick, um, before I forget. And these original stories, I don't know if they're from Ireland, uh, they're difficult to track down, but I've heard 
that people say with some of their experience with fairies, like trying to sneak up on them when they're sitting somewhere and on a sunny day, they say that they've caught fairies taking out some weird knife and trying to cut away their shadow from the ground and steal it. Maybe it's the same type of thing. I don't know much about that, but it's just the strangest thing to hear. It kind of lends your mind to the idea that like some of these things and creatures, they're their reality is like a totally different type of reality than ours, would it not? Like, uh, how do you cut away a shadow and steal it? But people claim that that's a thing. And these things are also highly feared um, in different places in some regards. I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard the word stroke comes from fairy stricken. And the word from fairy stricken struck and turned into the word stroke. Fairy stricken was a word used for when somebody's a fairy takes the blood away from somebody's brain or something like that like the fairy had the power to cut off the blood flow or change the blood flow to the brain and they called it fairy stricken and fairy struck and that i guess turned into the word stroke that we have today i that's just what i've heard there's a lot of etymology that's really interesting for these types of things like um if you look up the guy i think his name was jordan was his name jordan maxwell but his name Jordan, yeah, Jordan Maxwell, not Jordan Pearson, but Jordan Maxwell is like, he passed away recently, but he did a whole series on how words came from different things. Um, I'd like to do a video on that someday, but um, yeah, check out like basic etymology of English is really strange. And then the more you study another language, the more you see relationships and different ways that people think of the same concept. And it's, I'd like to do a video on that, but it'd be a very difficult one to gather clear coherent thoughts so i'd have to like kind of plan that one out a lot better than these but anyway getting back to some of these stories this is a book it's called the golden bow it b-o-u-g-h the soul as a shadow and a reflection is the name of this like chapter but the spiritual dangers i've enumerated are on, are not the only ones which beset the savage often he regards his shadow or reflection as his soul or at all events as a vital part of himself as and as such is necessarily a source of danger to him. For if it is trampled upon, struck, or stabbed, he will feel the injury as it's done to his person. And if it is detached from him entirely, which he believes that it may be, that he will die. So it's like the same type of concept. So this guy is talking about like different places that he's been, and these like people believe these things like that their shadow can be taken away, or their reflection can be taken away. I'm going to get to that in a second. In the island of Wetar, there were magicians who can make a man ill by stabbing his shadow with a pike or hacking at it with a sword. After Sankara had destroyed the Buddhists in India, it is said that he journeyed to Nepal, where he had some difference of opinion with the Grand Lama. To prove his supernatural powers, he soared into the air. But as he mounted up, the Grand Lama, perceiving his shadow swaying and wavering on the ground, stuck his knife into it, and down fell Sankara and broke his neck. In the Bank Islands, there are some stones of a remarkably large shape which go by the name Eating Ghosts, because certain powerful and dangerous ghosts are believed to lodge in them. If a man's shadow falls on one of these stones, the ghost will draw his soul out from him, so he will die. Such, so, such stones, therefore, are set in a house to guard it. At a funeral in China, when the lid is about to be placed on the coffin, most of the bystanders, with the exception of the nearest kin, retire a few steps, or even retreat into another room for the person's health is believed to be endangered by allowing his shadow to be enclosed in a coffin 
Um, yeah, and they do the same thing when the coffin's being lowered into the ground. They distance their shadows that it shouldn't fall into the grave. Yeah, they don't let their... Uh... There's another one here. Nor is it human beings alone that are liable to be injured by their shadows. Animals are, to some extent, in the same predicament. A small snail which frequents the neighborhood of, a lime, of the limestone hills in Parak is believed to suck the blood of cattle through their shadows. Hence the beasts grow lean and sometimes die from loss of blood. The ancients supposed that in Arabia, if a hyena trod on a man's shadow, it deprived him of his power of speech and motion, and that if a dog standing on the roof in the moonlight casts a shadow on the ground and the hyena trod upon, uh, upon it, the dog would fall down as if dragged with a rope so this book goes on to talk about the belief of the reflections being the same way the basutos say that the crocodiles have the power of killing a man by dragging his reflection under the water so when one of them dies suddenly and from no apparent cause his relatives will allege that a crocodile must have taken his shadow sometime when he crossed the stream a lot of stories like that where if you look into the water like something can trap your reflection and things like that so in this book it kind of goes to a story that it's not just uh, shadows and reflections but like portraits and pictures too so there's um the esquimax of the bering strait believe that people dealing in witchcraft have the power of taking a person's shade so that um he might they say pine away and die i've never heard pine away i don't know what that means but I guess like fade away and die. So once at a village in the lower Yukon River, an explorer had set up his camera to get a picture of all the people as they were moving about amongst their houses. While he was focusing the instrument, the headman of the village came up and insisted on peeping under the cloth as like one of those old-fashioned cameras where you like put your head under the blanket thing. So being allowed to do so, he gazed intently for a minute at the moving pictures on the ground glass and then suddenly withdrew his head and bawled at the top of his voice to the people, He has all of your shades in this box! And a panic ensued amongst the group. In an instant, they disappeared, helter-skelter into their houses. The Tepewanis of Mexico stood in mortal terror of the camera. And five days' persuasion was necessary to induce them to pose for it. When at last they consented, they looked like criminals about to be executed. They believed that by photographing people, the artist could carry off their souls and devour them at, at his leisure moments. I like how they say leisure moments. Like, people just would devour souls at leisure moments. Like, imagine that. Kind of reminds me of, um, there was like a bartender or a security guard. I heard this on the Paranormal Roundtable channel that swears that he saw people walking out of the club or bar or whatever and when they passed by a light the reflections of these people there was like two or three of these people were that of dogs or like like a werewolf or something but when you looked at their physical faces or physical they were just like normal looking people getting back to the the fairies the fairies is kind of a generalized term leprechauns those types of creatures like the can be considered fairies as well i don't know what the actual criteria is but some people put genies and jinn in the same thing jinn is the actual word for the more of the middle eastern i think the arabic idea of a spirit or like these type of fairy creatures 
and that's where you get genie. Genie comes from the word gin. And it's kind of the same idea. I mean, Disney doesn't do anybody any favors by making these things into, like, smiling, laughing, silly cartoons. And they did the same thing with fairies, and then they did the same thing with the gin and genies. The real stories would go something more like, you're not supposed to eat anything anything from one of these creatures if they give it to you. They seem to have some kind of innate animosity towards the average human. And they try to, like, befriend you and to the point of getting you to eat something. And if you eat something, you don't... There's never been any kind of report of what happens. Some of the guesses are you might wake up, like, hundreds of years later and not know who you are anymore, like, erase your memory. And on that same channel, Paranormal Roundtable, he does a a long, like, an hour-long video on immortals where people... That's one of the ways that one of those guys... There's a real guy that claims to have been around since like the 1600s i believe and when asked like how it happened he said he just woke up in a field and he didn't know how he got there and from that point on he couldn't he doesn't think he can die he's like he's been injured and stuff but nothing ever really happens he never really gets sick or anything and he's been alive for you know about 400 years or so he doesn't age and it's that might be how it started. He might have been tricked into eating something, and that's just one of these theories. No one really knows, but there's been cases, even on that same channel, of something like a gremlin coming into a girl's room using like a jewel and a, like a mini door that was in a house that they bought. And each night, or just about every night, I believe, this, this little gremlin would come in and take this girl into this doorway, and it would lead to some kind of weird land or something and at some point he tries to give give food to her and a voice rings out and says don't eat that you know like like a warning voice just kind of boomed out out of nowhere and then this little gremlin thing like looked kind of angry so some people put those that into the realm of fairies like all these like spirit types of things and creatures that can do these weird things anyway so when i was working in albuquerque I met a police officer. He was retired. He had just retired. Um, he was injured in a uh, in an altercation. And at some point, we were working a, a job together. So naturally, you start talking and stuff. And somewhere along the line, we ended up talking about, you know, like flying saucers, UFOs, crazy things like that. And he said that when he was a kid, he had a story. He lived on the Mesa. The Mesa... You know, it literally means table, but it's uh, Albuquerque is shaped like a big bowl, right? So you got the, the mountains on one side, Albuquerque dips down like a big bowl, and on the other side, it kind of goes up again, and it's called the Mesa. And on top of the Mesa, he was saying that's where his, I don't know if it was like a farm, but he's, he made it sound like it was a house kind of out by its, like, lonesomeness. So he tells me he was a kid, and he went outside for some reason, like out on the porch or out on the patio one evening, and he said that the whole sky was totally, completely clear, except for one little tiny cloud that was right above his house and nothing else. And he said it even looked low in the air. And to him, he said it just seemed really, really weird. So he goes inside of the house and he pulls it. I don't know if it was his brother. I want to say it was like his older brother. You know, he grabbed like his brother and pulled him out to the patio. And he points up and he says look at that weird cloud and like right when he started to say cloud it just boom he said it flew like 
thousands of miles an hour all the way over the mountains and just disappeared. So it literally went all the way across the town, like from one side of Albuquerque to the other and over the mountains. He said it was like in an instant, like a, like a tenth of a second or something. It just, boom, just took off. It was like, that was not a cloud. So that's pretty wild. Um, you get a lot of stories. I think just about everybody has a story, something strange around Albuquerque and all those areas, all those cities around there. I might even put up another one and uh, kind of has to do with some travelers and stuff that went through New Mexico and came across some high strangeness, you'd say. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. Check out the RSS feed. Uh, you can copy that and put it in your favorite app and never miss an episode. I'm also on Amazon Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher Podcasts. The show is also being uploaded to BitChute and YouTube and Spotify. I'd like to thank my first Patreon, Roxy. My Patreon is patreon.com slash paradoxwalk. The music is downbeat88. The opening track is called The Dark, and the ending track is called Moment of Peace. I hope everybody's doing well. Have a good day. Bye.